Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 480 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week is the return of Matt Shore from Moby Dick, Back from the Deep. He's got a Kickstarter going on right now for the fourth chapter in the series, and it's described as the latest issue in the popular horror comic about an undead Moby Dick. Matt's project is off to a great start, but he would truly appreciate your support if you haven't already pledged. We talk about the future of the series as well as other projects that he's working on. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's always a pleasure to talk with Matt Shore from Moby Dick, Back from the Deep, who has a Kickstarter going right now for Chapter 4, I believe it is. So how you doing, Matt? I'm good. Thanks for having me again. It's always good to talk with you, and I'm so fascinated by where the story is going. It's just, <laughs> you're doing these wonderful things with this, a, not only a zombie Moby Dick, but a zombie crew chasing the whale. So I think that's really kind of cool how you're doing that. Um, let's just say somebody has never heard of it before. And again, it's Moby Dick, Back from the Deep. How would you describe this series to them? All right. This is the story of Moby Dick reappearing in modern times now as a zombified beast, causing just chaos and devastation wherever he goes. And so in our story, uh, that the people that who are unfortunately in Moby Dick's way is this uh, little beachfront community called White Sands Beach. And that's where everything starts. Like he just starts causing chaos with uh, uh, people on the beach, with uh, boats nearby, fishing boats, anybody in the waterways that is in Moby Dick's way, uh, they are in deep trouble. And so so that's where everything kicks off with a really big bang uh, with, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just throw out his name here, the artist uh, Joe Bilisic. His artwork on this is what really, really makes it shine in my humble opinion. He is my my Spielberg because his first image of Moby Dick coming out of the water is just spectacular. I think think about it every time I think of this book is that that one image it's it's so to me it's iconic but anyway uh, that's how we open things up with a real big bang and then uh, furthering on that with uh, the, the next issue is when we get the appearance of Captain Ahab and his crew of the Pequod and they are equally zombified just wretches just like the whale and we come to find out that they've actually been cursed because of their obsession in hunting this whale in life, they've been cursed to hunt it even in death. And the only way that they will ever find peace is if they can finally kill this whale once and for all. So against all that backdrop, uh, our main character is this girl, the, the daughter of this town's mayor. Her name is Catherine. And she witnesses all this chaos, this devastation, this heartache. Uh, there's some real strong character moments in there, things that she deals with because of the just the mayhem that is brought on by this beast. And uh, this particular issue, it's like each one builds on the last. So now the big thing that's happening is we are finally joining Ahab and his crew on the ocean in the Pequod. They are on the hunt for this whale. And, you know, they're on this absolute mission because to them, I mean, this is even more important than life and death itself, because this is their one way to know peace. They've been hunting this whale hundreds of years 
And now they can finally, if they can actually kill it, maybe with a little help from Catherine, they'll finally get the eternal rest that they've been craving for so long. And that's hmm. where we are now. Okay. Uh, the one thing that leaps to mind is that there's another way this could end. <laughs> is if uh, Moby Dick does away with uh, the ship and its crew. <laughs> that would be a grim ending indeed. It? <laughs> <laughs> but it's possible. I mean, you know, I, I you know, it, it, it's really interesting to see, you know, uh, these kinds of stories. One of the great things I, I love about horror writers are, are their ability to go the other direction, to present another way that the solution happens. And that's why, as you were talking, I, that jumped into my head and I'm like, oh my gosh, I said, there is another way that this could end. But uh, I, I, hate to, I hate to even say that. That could, you know, I might be spoiling something, so maybe I better not, not say that anymore. <laughs> I, if my lips are sealed, I, I'm not going to reveal how this is all going to work out. <laughs> now, one of the things, and you mentioned the artist, and we'll, let's talk a little bit about him for a, a, a couple minutes. The book is really good because of the, the graphic that you talked about the whale. My favorite image of the whale is the one time you look and you see its eye looking at you. <laughs> and I, I, as I, ugh, you know, I just kind of like, went, oh my gosh, it's looking right at us, you know. And, and the way that he draws that is such that you get a sense that there's some feeling going on back there that is uh, not what you want to see in a whale's eye, to be honest. So yeah, it, I, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if I gush too much about uh, Joe Bilasic, the artist, but it, my gosh, his work is just fantastic on this thing. When I, when he showed me some of his samples. I, he was one I just looked right at and I was like, that's it. That's, that's the style that I want for this story. I, I don't want, I didn't want like photorealistic imagery and I didn't want really colorful imagery because this is not that type of a story. But what I, what I wanted, in addition, I wanted it to be stark. I wanted it to be grim, but I also wanted it to have a, almost like a mythical quality. So like the, they're not, like I said, it's not photorealistic images. It's, it's kind of impressionistic in a way, uh, just in the way that he does it. I compare it to Mike Mignola a lot because I just see the similarities in just his style and what he does. And I, I know probably a lot of artists would have looked at the fact that we're doing this in black and white. They might have viewed that as some kind of a hindrance, but he took that and made it a strength. Like there are some of his pictures that I don't know that they would have looked any better in color. I, I think they're strongest in black and white. He's, I, I really, I struck gold when I found Joe and, and we started working together. Cause yeah, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of Joe's work. He is, he's definitely uh, the Spielberg to, to my Michael Crichton. <laughs> well, I have to say that the, the black and white after a while, I forget that it's black and white, hmm. you know, I'm so in the story and in the moment of it that I'm like, gosh, you know, it, it almost feels like this is the way you know it's you know the old joke that the, the world used to be black and white and then they, and all of a sudden the world turned color and that's when color film came around that old joke but uh and this it fits the mood so appropriately gosh it's just astounding to me how how i'm th pulled into the story and pulled into the situation with it's really really i have to, i have to agree with you boy that artist is just you know, it's great when the artist does a, a wonderful job of portraying the story and the two merge together into this wonderful storytelling thing. And I think that's what's happening with this book. It's just amazing. Yeah. And over we've been doing this about two years now uh, with our schedule. It's amazing to think about how long we've been doing this. Um, but we've reached a point now where he – Joe seems to know exactly what I'm looking for. Early on, there were a lot of times where there'd be a little back and forth where I'd say, hey, can we tweak this image to do this? Can we change this around a bit? Now, really, the only thing I ever return to him are just minor little things like uh, uh, grammatical, you know, editing changes that need to happen. There's, I, I can't really remember the last time he sent me an image that I, I thought had to be changed. Like he, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're in sync or whatever after all this time. But uh, yeah, he, he's figured out what I'm looking for. And like I said, he, he nails it every time. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's, it's great. I mean, even of course, one of the things I've talked about is the fact that I'm in one of the issues. I'm a zombified guy 
cast member or a shipmate, I guess you want to say. And I'm in there too because you actually priced one time during a Kickstarter where to have a person be in there and I could afford it. So I said, I got to get that. So I, I put the money in for that. And boy, when I saw it, it's really great. Does a good job. <laughs> <laughs> and we are offering that again this time. This will be the last chance. Uh, the way we, given our schedule, we were able to offer a chance to be drawn into uh, future pages as a member of the crew. And since uh, after issue four, we'll be uh, marching on with issue number five and issue five will be our, is the final chapter that this, this will be it. This is the last chance. If anybody wants to be aboard the Pequod, this, this is it. Oh boy. Cause I have to say it was great to see it. When I saw it, I, I had to smile cause that was, it's really well done. And it's to be transported into that world and see my, my image in there was just, just terrific. So I highly encourage people, if you haven't done it and you've always wanted to do it like I have, this is your chance. I mean, I would get in there and back that right away because it's going to be really something to see your your own look in there and see how, how you're drawn by him because it's really, really an amazing thing. I have to say I really loved it. It was just great. Something I've always wanted. And so to see it come that well done, I, I was really, really happy. It's funny, too, when we, we offered it, uh, initially we offered people the chance to be drawn in just traditionally the way that other comics did because we were we were still on White Sands Beach and it was just a simple thing to do. And we had we got we got some backers that took on it who took that and um, got some great pictures and it all looks really great. There's a one really fun image we got where uh, two people, uh, we put them in on an image where they uh, went fishing and, and thinking that they caught Moby Dick, but they just caught this innocent whale. <laughs> so there we've got a picture of these two backers looking really proud. And then the mayor is walking up behind them, calling them idiots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of cute. But I, I thought when we went to the Pequod, my initial thought was, well, we can't offer that anymore because everybody's going to be zombies and I can't make them look like themselves anymore. Mm-hmm. And then someone said, are you kidding me? That's like perfect because now not only can you offer that, but you can offer it with a twist. They're not just being drawn into it. Now they're being zombies. And who doesn't want to be a zombie these days? So Right, right. Because, wow. It, it's particularly this. And I love, though, gosh, when you see the people, it's just it's so interesting. Uh, you were talking to me before we started to record about the research you were doing, especially when it comes to dialogue among certain characters and stuff like that. Um, what was the inspiration for how this, the, uh, the crew looks? Largely, I mean, did you did did you artists draw that from like movies? Because uh, you know the bo- book was originally a novel, and so you don't really have visuals. With it. Right? How did he? Where did he come up with those images from? I, it's been a while back, but I believe the communication I had with him, I said to uh, take start with Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean, but take it more in like a. A little more gruesome. I, I didn't want to make it, you know, like Dawn of the, or excuse me, I'm going to just say Day of the Dead level grotesque, but you know, it's a bit more zombie, a bit more gruesome, s- something along those lines. And Joe, uh, at that point, we were kind of in sync. And uh, once he started doing it, the first pictures he came back with, I just said, yep, that's it. That's wow. what we want. That's cool. Because let me tell you something, it is just amazing. And of course, Gosh, I, I don't want to spoil stuff, but they, we finally get to actually interact at some point with some of the crew, and I don't want to talk about how that happens or what's going on with that. But the, I was really fascinated to look and see how that all worked, you know, how they interacted with people. And I, I asked you, too, about uh, certain characters' dialogue and stuff, and you said you did some research in, in Melville to see how certain characters talked so that you could – you don't necessarily have to be limited to what they say in the book – but you can come up with your own dialogue. And I thought that was really creative. That's a great way to do it. Yeah. The, the two members of the crew who speak the most are Ishmael and Ahab. And Ishmael is, Ishmael's really an everyman. Like he, he was in the book. And so he still is here. He doesn't still speak in that old English style, but he, he's pretty much just your average Joe when it comes to how he interacts with Catherine. But Ahab, on the other hand, Ahab, he is so iconic. I mean, everybody knows who Ahab is. And everybody knows that old phrase, Thar she blows, even mm-hmm. though he technically isn't the one who said it. And of course, thanks to Star Trek Wrath of Khan, we all know from hell's heart, I stab at thee. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew that if I was going to bring uh, Ahab into this, 
I had to bring just everything about him that was iconic from his look to his mannerisms to the dialogue. So yeah, the extensive research I did was going back and rereading sections of the book that dealt with just Ahab and just his philosophies and his feelings just about life, fate, religion, everything, and uh, make sure that I can incorporate that as, in as many ways that I can. So I, uh, he became a lot of fun when it came to writing dialogue because he, he he's almost like he's like a really cynical old English version of Tony Stark. <laughs> That's cool. That's kind of a great way to do it. He's one of the interesting things that I found too is that their clothes seem to even they they've become zombified. Their clothes seems to stay with them. Because it looks like Ahab and all the other characters are, are basically wearing the same clothes they used to wear, or they would have worn back in in those days. Is that is that part of the curse? Is that the? Uh, thankfully, they don't run around naked. That that's a good thing. But the, I'm just sort of curious as to why, you know, that they are they wearing the clothes that they were wearing when they got cursed. Is that what's going on? Yeah, I, I believe they are. I that's the sort of thing. I, I left a lot of that up to Joe. And he came back with, yeah, they're still wearing the old clothes, but they're they're, they're showing their age. They're you know they're ragged, they're torn and frayed in places. It's cool because it's really because <laughs> you do see them. I mean, you know, the way that uh, Ahab is dressed is kind of interesting. Even the ship, of course, is still largely together, but you can see some of the sails and stuff like that have some tattering going on with the two. So the ship somehow has gotten cursed as a result of all this. So everything around them, not only have they they themselves been cursed, but the stuff that they use and they touch have been cursed. So that I find that really interesting. Yeah, we cheated a little bit with the boat because if we're wanting to be technical, then the, the boat should be in pieces because at the end of the book, uh, Moby Dick rams it and just destroys the thing and it sinks. But if we had that, then we wouldn't have had a story. So uh, we, the, the, the approach that I took to this was Melville's book is largely true, but there might be bits and pieces of it that he got wrong. <laughs> and essentially, you know, uh, the ones he got wrong were the ones that serviced our story. <laughs> <laughs> like the ship. Exactly. Which is a very important thing. You, can, you really can't go anywhere without the ship. Uh, it, the one thing I'm kind of curious about, though, how do they not get detected by, a, say, modern radar and stuff like that? Is that part of the curse, too? The curse keeps them invisible largely to modern technology, maybe? I'll say, yeah, they're, they're otherworldly in a sense because they're obviously not straight-up zombies. Otherwise, they would be devouring Catherine, and, and they never do. Um, they're, they're sort of like uh, – they're, I, th- I always thought of them as ghosts in a sense, even though they are tangible. Uh, so they, they so maybe they kind of come and go passing out of uh, the word I'm looking for, what's tangible and what's not. Oh, cool. So, well, anyway, that's part of the mystery. Of course, a curse, the great thing about curses is kind of like magic. I mean, it does what it wants to do. It's true. And, <laughs> and so you can, you can, if there's something going wrong, you just say it's the curse. You know, and that they'll solve the problem because uh, that's good. See, as we see the ship, and there's times when we see what's going on inside the ship, it does look pretty much together, which is, you know, that, that's interesting. Their clothes are starting to tatter, and there are certain things that are starting to fragment a little bit on them, which I find interesting. And of course, they have to deal with that. So I, it's it's really a. You know, I, I feel for these people. You know, I have to say, here they are doing these. You know, they're on a ancient ship, basically, and it doesn't die, and they don't die, and they're stuck on this thing because of their personal vendetta. And it's so interesting to see them and how they interact with each other. And you're right in the sense that Catherine, she's kind of our perspective on some levels. Catherine was very important to me for a couple of reasons. Um, first off, when, when telling the story, I, I didn't feel like I could tell it from Ahab's perspective and his crew um, because we'd be just throwing the audience into this otherworldly scenario without any explanation because, you know, why is Ahab here? Why, why is this all happening? So I needed a character who was, you know, very much one of us who would just be seeing all this and experiencing it 
and then learning about it because that's how we're all going to be coming into this. So she's very much our eyes in that sense. And the other uh, important part for her, I, I, she's very vulnerable. I wanted a character who I didn't, I didn't want a, uh, I didn't want an Arnold Schwarzenegger type character going out there with this crew. I wanted somebody who, who was frightened, who was afraid of what could happen, the dangers that it posed, but uh, nonetheless is still determined to go out there and face this thing. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing that gets me. She wants to be part of this, this mission, which yes. I find her, her, her motivation is really interesting to me because uh, let's just say I, th- this is a guy kind of story in the purest sense of the word, you know, adventure, going out in the sea, all that kind of stuff. To have a girl do that, I've, I still find that to be really an amazing and interesting twist because I understand guy characters. I've read guy characters in comics for decades now. And when I have a girl in there, it changes the whole thing for me. I don't know exactly what's going on. And her motivation is really interesting to me and, and her desire to be part of this. It's it really stands out as something different to me. And I think that's a great way that, that you've brought her into this. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. She, um, she's seen devastation and loss because of this whale. And so she now has a, a bit of her own personal vendetta with this thing, um, similar to Ahab. And at the, the beginning of this issue, she and Ahab have this conversation where He's basically telling her, look, I, uh, it's not my place at all to tell somebody they shouldn't try to get vengeance on something, but I'm just letting you know this might not be the best decision that you're making. And, of course, she she basically tells him, look, I don't care. Uh, I'm here, and what can I do to help out with the ship? Mm-hmm. Uh, she At one point, she actually wants to <sighs> take a very active role in what's going on, and I found that really interesting. For her she's she is a very complex character which i really enjoy and i you know i i don't know many women that would want to do the things that she's doing but i i buy it i believe it about her and so i think that's a a really smart bit of writing i think that you've done you've really made her stand out and and still be an important part of what's going on i really like that well thank you she um I don't want to, this is not a negative, but she was not quite as fun as Ahab was. Ahab's dialogue and everything about him is just a joy to write. Catherine, I had to, um, with her, I was constantly trying to rethink things in a way like, you know, is this, is this appropriate for her? Is this really what she would do? And I I rehashed in my head a lot of decisions that uh, I had her making because I wanted to make sure that they made sense and they weren't just for the sake of moving the plot forward, it was something that uh, somebody who is terrified and young and yet determined to take action against this thing. Is this, is this what they would do? Mm-hmm. Now talk about the dialogue though, because she being a, a current character and them being from over a hundred years ago was, was writing the dialogue. So they understood each other. How did that go? Was that, was that difficult? Not really, because even from the beginning with Ahab, uh, even though he he spoke in a really just iconic and quotable kind of way, uh, someone from today I felt like would understand him. Catherine's first reactions to Ahab and his crew, of course, was just pure shock that these walking corpses are on the docks of her hometown and are speaking with her about hunting this whale. So that freaked her out quite a bit from the beginning. But uh, as far as being able to understand one another, I never saw them as having difficulty, so I never, I never wrote it that way. And of course, at this point, she's been interacting with Ahab for almost three issues, so she's very, very comfortable around him, or at least as comfortable as she's going to be around a walking corpse. Well, luckily, she doesn't throw out modern technology stuff or something like that. I didn't see that on YouTube or something like that. She doesn't do that. She's smart enough to understand that they won't get that. So there's no point in even bringing it up because a lot of younger adults today, they will try to tell you in their vernacular 
And that's always kind of tough because people, because these people would not have any idea what she's talking about. And she's smart enough to realize that that's not something she should be doing. I, well, I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> that was also something I, I thought about too, because I've read so many stories written by people who are my age and older telling a story with a teenager and they just go all in with just, you know, internet speak. And they'll be like, they will say to one another, Oh, LOL, L-O-T-F-L, M-A-O, whatever. And like actually just throwing up the hashtags with their fingers. And it's like, I don't know that kids do that as much as you think they do. And when you do it that way, it really comes across as like a caricature and not real. So, I tried to avoid doing anything like that because I just thought anytime I attempt, if I really try to sound like a teenage girl of today would sound like, I'm just going to botch it. So the story tends to, you know, purposefully avoid <laughs> any situations where that might happen. So there's, there's really only one part where there's, I think there's any real reference to modern technology. And that's just where uh, Catherine in one of the previous issues gets a call on her cell phone. And that's that's as far into it as we ever got. Because, you know, the worst part about trying to be current with dialogue is it changes. So yeah. you try to put something in there, and by the time it gets depressed, that whole thing has changed. And it sounds like you're antiquated. You know, like, the, like Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, said one time, that's so five minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of stuff. So it was a good thing to avoid all that. I think that was a smart move because like like that happens if you try to use any of that and it just goes out of style, boy, you're stuck. It's in print and there's nothing you can really do about it. Mm -hmm. Good yep. thing. That's a smart thing to do because see the whole business with her really, she really appeals to me. I just how this is going to resolve and what that's going to happen with her, what the impact is going to be. It's going to be something I can't wait to see. I'm really going to be stunned. Now, of course, we got to talk about the whale. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Even though Moby Dick is a zombie, his strength is still such that he can take on other challenges, shall we say. I don't, wanna, I don't know how much you want to spoil. He gets challenged on, at times, and, you know, physically, and he's up to it. That's the thing that's really interesting to me. As I watch him struggle at times i you know at times i kind of feel bad for him because here he is this kind of a zombie thing but yet that's not hindering him apparently and uh, let's just say that he takes on things and and is pretty victorious when, when he comes across challenges which makes me wonder about how this is going to all resolve how is this ship going to resolve that if if moby dick can overcome challenges that the sea provides how can the ship how can they overcome him that that's the that's going to be the thing for the the fifth issue and this is all this issue of course is setting all that up and the, the good news is you want to make it look difficult because then we kind of go oh, how are they going to ever going to possibly win and then of course as a good writer i'm sure like you you've already got it all figured out how this is all going to resolve and that's a good thing. I I know you're going to get us to a place with the, a, a good resolution for the story. And I'm just – see, the good thing is Moby Dick is still a formidable enemy. That's the thing that I realize. Even though he's a zombie, he's still something to be reckoned with. And I, I that was a great thing, I think, to write him that way. If he had been too zombified, you know, kind of pieces falling all over the place and – Easily beaten, I would think that would we wouldn't feel the challenge. We wouldn't feel for these people the way that we do. Yeah, and and we can go ahead and acknowledge what what this uh, the adversaries you're, you're referencing here because it's on the cover and it'll be on the front of the Kickstarter when people go check that out as well. Uh, in this particular issue, we we open with Moby Dick battling a giant squid and a small pod of orcas, um, which was. Uh, just on its own, just made for some really iconic imagery. The, the, the cover that Joe did for this issue, he yet again, knocked it out of the park. But uh, uh, we've seen Moby Dick take on boats. We've seen him, at this point, we've seen him take on the, the Coast Guard and cause some real devastation there. But, you know, I, I wanted, this was sort of my, uh, I thought of it as like my kaiju moment, like my 
Godzilla versus Kong moment, if you will, at sea, where we have giant monsters battling it out. So we have, on one hand, we've got Moby Dick, and then my, my first time I was like, okay, I'll put him against a squid. That's pretty cool because uh, sperm whales and squid, they fight all the time. People, That's an image people have in their head, but then I thought, no, that's not enough. Let's go all in. So he fights a squid and a, and a handful of killer whales all at the same time. So it's this big, epic battle among just these beasts of the sea. And uh, yeah, Ahab, his crew, and Catherine, they're nearby and they witness this whole thing. And yeah, it's, it's like you said, um, when it's over with, it's like, my gosh, uh, he did that. Can we, what chance do we have? And so, yeah, just, just another way to, to raise the stakes. And it was also a really great excuse to let Joe draw some monster just going at it. I, I was so excited when I was able to give him the script for this issue. It's, it's gripping. I mean, I can tell you, because I've read the other issues and stuff getting up to it. It it's the whole business in the town. I thought was a great way to set up the business with politics and the uh, the mayor and his uh, struggles and all that stuff. All of this stuff kind of leads right to where we are in issue four. And of course, you're setting up for a big confrontation in five, which is just going to be. I, I, I gosh, are you going to do a larger issue? Is it going to be an, a regular sized issue? How's five going to work? Now the current plan is um, same size. But I believe, and I have to go back to recheck my script to be sure. But we're gonna have a lot more uh, big images. We're gonna we're gonna make use of like those full full page spreads to uh, to really try to make it as big and uh, widescreen, so to speak, as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And let me encourage people: don't wait till five. Four is a gripping issue in itself. Uh, I don't think you'll get nearly as much out of five if you don't get four. Four to me is this is the perfect setup for what's going to happen. And there's a big shocker at the end of four, which I will never reveal. And there's just a gosh, you know, how you're going to resolve this, I don't know. <laughs> and that makes me want to read the book because, you know, I know you know. The trick is to read the book, and then we're going to find out how this is all going to resolve. Because we've been building to this big final uh, confrontation, I guess is the only word I can use for it. And it's going to be really something to see how this happens. I, you know, I, I did. Did you know how you wanted this to end when you started writing it? Um. Yes, I had a a vague idea. And this is what happens a lot of times with me. Anytime I write a story, uh, particularly like a longer one, I always have uh, an end goal in mind. Most of the time, I'm, I'm going to pull that back a little bit. There have been a few times that I did, but for the most part, I always have an ending in mind that I work towards. Now, on the course of working toward that ending, that ending may kind of adjust a bit and change, but for the most part, I know where I'm going. Now, with this one, um, the ending never really changed. I, I had that one set up. I knew where I was going with it. That remained the same. But a few of the steps leading up to it, there were certain things that uh, I didn't initially envision happening until I started scripting everything out. And then I realized some of these things had to happen. And so uh, over the course, and the story evolved in that sense. But uh, yeah, anyway, long way back to, to answer that question. Did I, did I have an ending in mind? Yeah, I, I knew exactly where this was going. Okay, because it's like a mystery story, you know, when people write in mysteries, they know the ending and they work from there and they go backwards. And at least the mystery writers that I've ever listened to and talk about how they write it, they go back from there and do it. And sometimes it doesn't go the direction they originally think that they're going to go. But usually the ending is still the same. And that's that, that honestly, if you know where you're going, I think that's better. There, there are certain comics writers and they drive me crazy. It's like a, going in a car and driving around town and not knowing where you're going. Oh, there's a bar over there. And, oh, there's a restaurant. Oh, and you know, it, it's, it doesn't feel like we're going anywhere. But with this book, I, it strongly feel like you know where you're headed. And the bad news is I don't know where that is. <laughs> That's the bad news. I can't, I'm not that much of a writer. I, I love writing. I love reviewing writing. I can tell you when it's good. Coming up with that to me is always the, the hard part. And so that's why I always respect that. And a, and a good writer like you 
I just know it's going to be really worth all this, all the, the, the support and all the, uh, the, the books that you have to get there. You know, it's really going to be great fun to see. I, I'm just speaking of which is when it comes to issue, of course, issue four. Well, why, let's talk about the Kickstarter before we dive completely into five. When is the Kickstarter going to conclude? Uh, this will wrap up on the 23rd of April. So get, uh, you got a little bit of time, but uh, don't wait because uh, certain certain rewards have a, a a limited number that we can offer. So, so yeah, get in there, uh, give what you can. We've we've got offers where you know if if you've got the previous issues, you can get issue four. If this is your first time, we're offering all four issues together, and then we're also going to be offering add-ons where you know if for whatever reason you only need number four and like number two, or if you also want to get uh, some of my other books that I've done, like I've got another comic I did called. Monster Hunter for Hire, and then there's another one called Jesus Christ Demon Slayer. If either one of those sounds cool and you want to add those on, then by all means, we would love to include that so you can kind of customize uh, your order. It's it's a new option with Kickstarter that we're attempting this time to, to see how it goes. Okay, because it'll be great stuff to do because uh, I usually go for the, the, the bigger things. I like the collected stuff. And as I always say, I tend to go with digital versions these days because my space for physical copies is uh, limited. <laughs> uh, which which leads me to ask, though, when you get all this done, are you going to provide a, like a collected edition? I haven't decided yet, but I am definitely thinking about it. Okay. Of course, what that means is we need to buy the issues now so that there's a good reason to prov- uh, provide a collected edition if there's support enough to do it. Sure, so, we got to stay funded in the meantime. That's right. So it's just, you know, I, I've been a fan of Moby Dick ever since I was a kid. And I, and I, we may have talked about this before, but I, I can't help but bring it up. There used to be a cartoon on Saturday mornings called Moby Dick and the Mighty Mitor. And I used to watch that faithfully. You know, the, the, now, interestingly enough, Moby Dick was the one that only had the middle part. So you only got one episode every time. You got two Mitors and the middle was Moby Dick. And, of course, it was a silly thing. You know, it was, you know, uh, although he never spoke, he understood language and stuff like that. And he did silly stuff like uh, <laughs> I won't even go into it. I won't, I, I won't bring this level down to talk about that. But I was fascinated by Moby Dick and that to see a, a, a large animal like that. And of course, later on, I got to read uh, the, the, the novel as I went into high school and stuff like that. But the thing to me is always brute force like this is so difficult to overcome. And I think that's the, the challenge of that is, is always going to appeal to me. Like it's one of the things about this book, of course, that, that, the same thing appeals to me. And here's, he's still, like I said, a formidable force. And as such, you know, you feel for the people trying to overcome. And I think your book particularly does a great job of helping us, you know, relate to even the undead people. We relate to them and what they're going through and having, you know, Catherine be involved helps with that and helps us want to do it. But I just think it's, you know, in our lives, we face oftentimes, you know, uh, terrible obstacles that how we can we possibly get through like when we're in the pandemic right now. That's one that that's one. So I, I look at Moby Dick as something akin to like a pandemic or a, a terrible accident or something like that, that we have to overcome. And so to me, I, I it's so encouraging to see these people take on this terrible force, like I like to call it, and do that. And so to me, it's it's heroic. Yes, there's obsession involved, and that's why I got cursed. But they are still heroes in my mind because they are doing this almost impossible thing. And to me, that makes me really uh, feel for the characters, and I got to know how this turns out. So, you know, you got to get the chapters, uh, get the chapter four, because the other chapters are all there too. So you want to get that, and you want to get to experience this story at its fullest. So I, I really highly encourage you to do it. Like I said, I, I had myself drawn into it. So I'm invested <laughs> on some level because of that. But I also, before that ever happened, I loved the story and the characters. 
And how this is going to end, like I said, I don't know. And that makes me want to read the book all the more. So I just think, Matt, that <laughs> this is going to be something special. I just think when, when we get to that fifth issue, you know, four really got me. I do want to say I, I don't want to downplay four because it's a great book. It's a perfect setup. And it's just amazing stuff goes on in there that I feel for the orcas. <laughs> I feel for the, I feel for Catherine. I feel for all these people. There's a lot of stuff going on, now, which I, I do want to ask you about Moby. One more thing about him, about Moby Dick is that we do get some sense of what's going on in there. Uh, like I said, when I see his eye, sometimes I get a sense of what he's feeling or thinking. And it's not, <laughs> it's not that intelligent. It's going. It's, it's like I said, a brute force. It's very much of a simple, yet terrifying <laughs> level <laughs> that it's going on. When you started to, is it tough when you when you conceived this character? Is that how you wanted him to be? Let's see, I always thought of him in this story as as almost like less of a character and more of a force of nature. It's like he's this hurricane coming in and just destroying everything. It doesn't matter what it is, who it is, uh, where they rank in society or, or what animal they are. If they're in its way, he's going to destroy them. That's, that's just what he does. And he, his behavior is almost like an aquatic version of uh, the incredible Hulk, I guess, because it's just like, there's something over there. I'm going to destroy it. And that's that's his driving motivation. Um, that's and uh, Ahab touches on that a little bit in like previous issues when he has a conversation with Catherine about what the whale is, and he says, you know, I, he and Ishmael both basically just like, you know, we we can't we don't know exactly where this thing came from, but it is just this unholy beast that was just let loose on the earth for whatever reason eons ago, and because we were obsessed with it in life. Now we're cursed to keep hunting it in death. So he doesn't recognize them as something he's encountered before. Uh, no, he just, he just, you know, going to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. That's how Satan is described in the Bible. So that's, yeah, exactly. so, he's, so he's sort of a satanic force in that sense. In a sense, yes, because that was one thing. One of the things in Melville's book that uh, the whale, it was symbolic of so many different things. Like in some ways, people argued that he was symbolic of, of the devil. And then others argued that he was symbolic of, of God. Or others argued that he was symbolic of, of fate. And just all those concepts were things that I played with them. Some of them I made literal since I have uh, pretty much established in this story that he is this sort of unholy terror at the very least that that's something that can be agreed on maybe he is a demon maybe he is maybe he is some facet that the devil let loose on the earth but it, it still plays with some of those concepts and comes back to, to ahab's dialogue like one of the one of the lines and I, I wasn't able to incorporate this one specifically but i loved this line where he's having this argument with uh, his first mate um starbuck and where he's telling him, like, you know, this is madness, what you're doing. And Ahab says, don't, don't talk to me about madness, man. I would smite the sun if it offended me. Hmm. Like that, just that type of, I'm getting back to Ahab's dialogue, I think. But it's part of what just made him such a, a fun character because it's like he would gladly defy the gods if, if it served his purposes. So just playing with that sort of man's um, – frustration and raging against his lot in life or what fate casts upon us or what, uh, you know, what the gods see fit to put us through this, all that's personified in Ahab and, and in some ways personified in, in Moby Dick, because it's like a hurricane. It's not fair when it comes in and it destroys stuff. It doesn't care rich, poor, it'll go after everybody. It's pure chaos. And Moby Dick's the same way. Because it's interesting, you, you, you make an interesting parallel between Ahab and Moby Dick. There are similarities between the two of them that I find interesting. And I, I, part of me wants to ask what you feel is Ahab's motivation to go after Moby Dick. Is it, is, 
part of me thinks that it's just because he's there. At this point, the when I wrote Ahab, my 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 feelings is he he just wants peace at this point. Hmm. Um, he he hunts the whale now because there's nothing else he can do, and it's part of why he tries to talk Catherine out of it early on. Like it's like basically say like you know I'm in no position to judge you for wanting to kill this whale, but you know look what happened to me. Uh, so there's there's a hint of regret in this Ahab. It, it's not the same Ahab that Melville described who was just singularly focused. I mean, he was going after the whale and that was it. So now he's been, because of that focus, he's been cursed for all this time. He He does it because he has to, but he's not doing it because he really just wants to kill this whale. He really wants peace. That's what he is so desperate to finally have. That That's his motivation in this story okay so it doesn't necessarily he's not necessarily the same guy that he was in in the melville book no not quite the same like he's had 150 years to grow as a human being that's so interesting that he that moby dick has and they have been looking for each other or well i can't say that because the whale probably hasn't but but he's been looking for moby dick for 150 years yeah and that was the that's really was the uh, that concept is what brought out the the idea for this story. Uh, the two thoughts, I guess, like the the first one was asking the question, you know, what if Ahab was right? You know, what if he was right to want to kill this whale? Mm-hmm. And the, the other one was just this idea, and I got it from one of those really horrible mashup YouTube videos where they had Ahab travel through time, he oh. dropped a nuclear bomb on. Moby Dick to blow him up. But, but that concept of just hunting the whale across time, that stuck with me. So it, all of that just kind of, you know, bunched up together into this concept of, uh, you know, the spirit, just these spirits on the ocean. One is this, you know, unholy beast. And the other is just the ghost of a man who couldn't let go. And he's, been just hunting him ever since 150 plus years hunting this beast on the ocean and so that that the story was was birthed from all of that wow well i just thought of another way that this could end and i'm not going to mention it because i already think i've said too much on that <laughs> but let me there's the great thing about this story is is that it evokes all these kinds of thoughts in me about what about this what about that what does this mean and what does that mean how could this end up and stuff which just makes you know this issue is definitely if you you've got to get this issue and to get the other ones before so that you're ready for number five when that comes speaking of number five then do you know when you're planning to uh, do your kickstarter for number five yet we'll do that one uh the same way we've done all the previous ones uh, we once we once we finished up with this Kickstarter, we'll get back on our webcomic schedule of publishing a new page every Friday. And that way we can start adding in pages with uh, our the backers who opt to be drawn in as members of the, the Pequod crew. So once every page of that is published online, then we will uh, turn around and launch the Kickstarter for number five. Wow. Well, because that's one way you can get a taste of it. And I would highly recommend you get the, 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 the printed copy or the digital copy of it so you can hang on to it and, and have it to read when you want. Uh, do you want to say the name of the website where the pages are? Absolutely. Backfromthedeep.com. You can read the story in its entirety there. But, uh, yeah, I would really love it if people would <laughs> check out our Kickstarter and uh, – reserve a digital copy or a printed copy or two. That's a way to get a taste. That's, that's the way I look at it. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think, cause you know, the internet being what it is, I mean, you know, may, it may or may not be there forever. And you no, know, you can't depend that it's always going to be there. I mean, what if you move on to another project and everybody, people are kind of, they've got their copies and stuff like that. And so you don't necessarily have to have a website up all the time about it. You might move on to the next thing. And that would, that might mean that the website might not always be there. And so you, if you like the story, like I do, you're going to want to make sure you have a copy of it. Because every once in a while, when I'm in mood for a longer story, I go and I pull out one of my longer story books and stuff from my shelf or on the uh, on my computer and pull them out and go through them because I want to relive that experience. And that's the way with this. I, I know years from now, I'm going to want to pull this back out and take a look and say, boy, I remember that story. That was a good one. Let me relive that 
again. And if you haven't read it, then well, like me, I, I'm in that place. I haven't read the the, the final chapter yet. So I, I am very strongly encouraging you, if you have not done that yet, get out there. Uh, how's this listed on the Kickstarter? Uh, Moby Dick, Back from the Deep, number four. Okay, so that's the thing. Look for that and be sure to, to back it. And that'll make uh, the uh, number five all the more possible because, uh, you know, in order to get number five, we've got to be sure to support number four. So be sure to do that. And I'm I'm sure I'll be in there as quick as I can and we'll get these good things backed up and get, get, the, get in there. And, of course, as I always like to say, we want to give Matt the time where he doesn't have to do the daily heart attack where he goes out there and somebody hasn't bid in the last hour or two since he last looked. We want to make sure that the, if we can, let's get to that goal as fast as we can and get the stretch goals and make sure that the others. Speaking of which, how the, I remember all the other ones were successful, right? So far, yep. Yeah, I have not had an unsuccessful Kickstarter. So fingers crossed that we can keep this going. Knock on wood. So we'll, we'll get this going. And I, I highly encourage you, if you're in the mood for a little variety in your reading, which I always love, I love a story where I don't know where it's going. And that's what this one, I, I, don't know where this is going, and I got to know. So, you, Matt, you mentioned the other books that you've done. You want to mention them again? Sure, be happy to. Uh, there's also the most recent one was called Monster Hunter for Hire, which is an anthology story about a, a man who hunts monsters for a living, and he absolutely hates his job. So it's kind of a new take on the concept of uh, monster hunters. And then another one is called Jesus Christ Demon Slayer. And I, I used to tell people at conventions when we still had them that it's based on a true story because the concept is based on the the idea. Uh, it's, it's called the harrowing of hell. And it's the story of where Jesus went uh, in between the time where he died on the cross and rose from the dead three days later. And in this story, he ventures down into hell and challenges the devil and all of his minions Okay, a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, imagination involved with that because uh, that was a fun one. It's it, it is based on concepts that different facets of uh, Christianity believe in. Like some believe he absolutely did this. Others believe it might be a little bit more nuanced, and then others kind of take it or leave it. But it is referenced in the Bible here and there, and I won't go into a whole lot of that. But uh, <laughs> okay. what made it fun for me was because there are no real specifics mentioned. It's just kind of occasionally offhandedly thrown out there in a verse or two. And I just thought, well, I, there's no real agreement on this. And I think I actually talked to at least four different ministers on like the thoughts behind this, and there's no consensus. So to me, that just said, oh, okay, I can take complete creative license with this story and do whatever I want with it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, I've had a few ministers walk by my booth, they like look at it askance a couple of times. And like one even asked me like, are you respectful in this? And I said, okay. <laughs> If you ask me, I'm going to tell you yes, because I believe that I was. But I also know that I have a story here where Jesus is wielding a flaming sword, fighting demons and monsters, and some people might take issue with that. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's your perception of what could happen. So that makes it uh, it makes it worth reading and you know whether you necessarily believe that that actually happened that way or it could happen that way that's that's the thing about reading is that it, it challenges your thinking and i think that that's always a good thing about that i agree so that's good stuff so it's all great stuff i think uh, matt you're going to be do, do you have other projects that you're working on beside or is uh, moby dick keeping you going these days at the moment moby dick is my main one um, I, I have other things that I'm kind of tossing around, but Moby Dick is the current one that's out there in the front. Wow. Okay. So it's going to be great fun to see. Now, if people want to follow you on social media, how do they do that? All right. You can follow me on Twitter at the Matt Shore, or you can follow me on Instagram at the Shore. Those are the two that I'm most active on these days. And you spell Shore? Shore is spelled S C H. O-R-R. -R. 
Right. I'm afraid somebody will look at the ocean shore and they go, what happened to them? It's not here. <laughs> so we got to make sure people know how to do it. Because the internet, if you don't spell it right, you ain't going there. So that's a good thing. So, well, Matt, yeah, it's always great fun to talk with you. And the time just flies. And this book is such a fascinating book. I just, I'm just gripped. Um, gosh, I probably shouldn't ask this question, but is it possible there could be more in this uh, universe after chapter five? <laughs> well, if there's one thing we know about stories in Hollywood in general, uh, the, the only thing we don't like is closure, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that you could always find something else to do with this. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay, so- I, I won't completely rule it out. I don't have any firm plans to like resurrect the whale again or anything once it's done, but I'm not going to say it's impossible. Okay. Yeah. You might be wailed out by the time this is, by the time you get to chapter five, that might be enough for a while. It'll at least be time for a break, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you said you've been working on this for two years. I mean, that's going to be quite the wonderful thing when I, when you, I, there was a, I, I, I'll just real briefly tell you, I was working with a friend of mine on a script. It was a fan film script for Star Trek. And uh, we were working on it. And I had this idea running around in my head and we finally got together and wrote it out. And when we put the last words on paper, I had this really strange whoosh feeling like everything was out of my head and finally down on the paper. And it was this weird sensation. You know, it wasn't a part of me anymore. It was now a written script. And so I don't know whether you're going to get that or not, but uh, I imagine it'll, it'll be a, on uh, some senses, a sense of relief to actually get it all taken care of and all the story finally completely told, that will be something. I think special. it'll be. I think it'll be kind of bittersweet because, like, on one hand, yeah, I'll definitely have that. Like, wow, it's it's done. It's out there. We we did it. We told our story. And but then this other part's going to be like feeling like, oh well, well now what? <laughs> Telling this story for two years. Now what do I do? <laughs> Oh, see, that's going to uh, move you. I know as a good writer, you're going you're gonna to say, that now i got to write something else. Luckily, yeah, I do have some other ideas, but uh, it, it will be, a, like I said, it will still be kind of bittersweet that uh, this, this story will, will have ended. Because, yeah, it's been, it's been a part of my life for two years. Wow. Wow. Well, on the other hand, when you've got it all written, that's going to be something you could say, I wrote all this good stuff. So that's going to be, it's going to be great. A great accomplishment, I just think. So uh, tell us again how the Kickstarter page is, is listed. Oh, you can find it at Moby Dick, Back from the Deep, number four. Yeah, so be sure to get out there and support it today. And Matt, just great, great stuff. Uh, one last time, when is this going to conclude? This will wrap up on the 23rd of April. Okay, so be sure to get it way before that so that Matt can uh, start uh, putting out the good stretch goals that we all enjoy so much. And I just can't wait. This is going to be stuff. So we got to get number four done so we can get to number five. And I want to get to number five, so we got to get number four taken care of. So be sure to get out there and support Matt. And, you know, Matt, just keep it up. You're, you do such good stuff, such great writing. And, and this this book is just – I think this is a classic. There's got to be – someday the, there's going to have to be a, a TV or a movie of this at some, some point. Well, I would love that. I, I'm not going to – I'm not too good for that. So, yeah, if anybody out there knows a producer they want to uh, push my way, but feel free. I have to tell you, there's uh, right now. There's a lot going on about the uh, Snyder cut for uh, Justice League. I found out there's going to be a gray version, they call of it, and it's all going to be like in black and white. And that makes me think about this. Maybe we'll have a gray version of Moby Dick back from the deep. There you now, go. I, I think you would want to uh, take it a little bit further and maybe go almost Sin City style with it, where it's like <laughs> really, really stark, a lot of black. <laughs> that's what I would. That's how I would envision the story. Uh, well, let's hope. I mean, this, this is such a great story, and I really am I'm glad to be able to read it. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to the, to the the conclusion of this. So, you know, just keep it up, Matt. And I am so excited about how this is going to wrap up. I just know you got some good story conclusion for us, and uh, just keep it up. We want to get there. I'll do it. Thanks so much for helping me spread the word. Appreciate it. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast. 
so you can keep reading your comics. that's it for this episode. Be back next time I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator. Something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then, keep reading your comics. decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.